LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And, man, I want to give him like a wrestler name. A wrestler name? Something, a, a great adjective, Brian Rose. I'll, I'll take a what great adjective. What would your wrestling name be? My wrestling name? Yeah, Flower. Flower. Uh, it would have to be something with thunder. Oh. Brian the Thunder Rose. Thunder Rose. <laughs> the Thunder Rose. That's it. Uh, yes. And you could remake the Garth Brooks song. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Wow. That was a horrible introduction. Why don't you try, Daniel? That's okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Brian Rose has been on the podcast before. Yes. He is with the Oxano team, which yes. is a part of Lifeway. And he is a man that has devoted his life to breakthrough, even to the point that he has a podcast that has the word breakthrough in it as well. That is Brian Rose. How did I do? Is that better? My ministry breakthrough, right? <laughs> See? See? My ministry breakthrough. So is this, Brian, why you wanted to talk about breakthrough on our podcast? It was just a way to promote your podcast. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I love breakthrough. I'm going to dignify that with a response. I, I love breakthrough in any form. I think that's, um, you know, any way we can get that to happen, any way we can connect with pastors and do that. So I think too many pastors are sitting there on the side of a wall or in the middle of the tunnel, what we call the tunnel of chaos. And, you know, I love talking about breakthrough. I love telling stories. So, yeah, that's why I'm here. Well, I mean, really, though, in all seriousness, um, what you do on a day-to-day basis with Oxano is walk into churches and lead them through a process that will lead to breakthrough. It is going to almost – it's going to redefine potentially who they are, how they do ministry, et cetera. So what does it actually mean for a church to break through? Like describe, describe breakthrough. Like when somebody hears that, that word, they may think they know what it means, but, or, or they may say, Oh, you know, Oh, they're just playing with that word. No. Yeah. Define what this means. Like give us a picture. Well, you know, there are moments in the life of every leader, especially in the local church, when, um, you know, more questions and answers abound, more problems and solutions are found. And, and you sit there and you just ask yourself, okay, what's next? Where do we go from here? Uh, so my role as a strategic outsider is really to come in, as you said, Todd, walk alongside, uh, church leaders, really ask some good questions. Um, sometimes those questions increase the chaos. Sometimes they increase, uh, the feeling that breakthrough is needed, but typically what we, we would kind of characterize breakthrough is what happens on the other side of that tunnel of chaos. When, when, when kind of the fog clear and, and a path forward is found. And so typically we'd say that's found with a clarity, uh, a vision, uh, a unique articulation of the identity of the church and a dynamic, uh, pathway forward through, through vision for the next, you know, five to 20 years. And so that's, that's kind of what breakthrough is. Breakthrough is kind of clearing the fog and seeing God's hand at work, his leadership, and uh, following him where he's leading. 
So, so then how is breakthrough different than church growth? Because it kind of sounds similar. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's where you start, Daniel. I think this, you know, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily say we're going to start at, at church growth. I think, you know, we've had, um, movements, uh, through the, the eighties and nineties and early two thousands that were kind of church growth movements and, you know, seeker driven or even missional, you know, missional was a church growth movement, uh, in some ways. And we'd say before, before you do that, let's just reattach ourselves. Let's re, um, re-familiarize ourselves with this unique disciple making call that each individual church has. And I think, you know, it's, it's true that healthy things grow, uh, and so when we can learn what it means to make disciples in our context, then, then really that breakthrough happens and, and growth typically follows, uh, because you really can't be a disciple without making a disciple. Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of the, the pattern there, but we don't start with this notion that you, you have to grow to be good. We say, Hey, you have to uh, make disciples, uh, to see God at work and, and fulfill that calling he's given the local church. So, so then because you said it was a starting point, I mean, let's say you're coming in as a, I like that term, as a strategic outsider walking into a church and you want to help them experience breakthrough. Where do you start with them? Uh, you know, as I said, we start, Daniel, asking a lot of questions. Um, our, one of our core values as an organization uh, is carnivorous learning. And we just really believe leaders are more known by the questions they ask than the answers they have. So we never want to be an organization that walks in with a bunch of predetermined answers or best practices. There's plenty of consultants out there that have best practices that can tell you what other big churches are doing or what other multi-site churches are doing or whatever, you know, missional churches are doing. But we would say, hey, listen, it's more important to walk in the door and, and ask questions to truly learn uh, what is the real uh, state and situation of the local church. What are we facing? What are those disciple making obstacles that stand in our way? And then, uh, we employ tools, uh, for process work and it's collaborative, uh, to then, to then shape the future forward there, uh, at that point. What kind of questions are those? Give it, give us an example. Of a few, few of the ones that you ask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I was just on a, on a call last night with a, a church in Colorado helping them discern some things. And I just ask everyone, you know, what do you like best about the church? You know, what are the biggest obstacles uh, that you guys are facing right now? Uh, I actually asked them to create a, in their mind, a picture of the church five years down the road and then asked them, you know, what's, what's in the way of that. Uh, it was interesting. We, we, we kind of chased the dialogue out and, you know, they, they want to reach families are in an area of Denver that's heavily populated with young families and as I asked the obstacles question, they started talking about classroom space and how they had kids from kindergarten through like fourth grade in one room. And then everybody younger than kindergarten in another room. And they had like a room of young kids with like 20 kids in there. And I said, and they're in one service. And so, you know, it was pretty quickly to see, hey, listen, you know, a vision leading us forward it has to include some thoughts about, you know, how we use space and, and creating a place where families feel confident dropping off their kids, not just that there's four walls and a, and a teacher that can handle them. And so, you know, usually if you ask the right questions uh, and are listening to and prepared uh, to listen to the Holy Spirit's leadership, 
um, we can kind of find the right way. It's not about having the answers, though. It really is understanding the identity of each unique local church, because that that corner uh, of of Denver metro area, very suburban, is quite different from even a place you know four or five blocks up the road. And so we we again come back to what is God calling you to do as the local church in your unique context, and then how does that identity lead to breakthrough in, in the problems that you're facing or the challenges that lay in front of you. Love that. That's good. All right. Let's move to, uh, let's move to our third question. What are some categories of breakthrough? Yeah, I, I saw that question and, and Todd, if it's okay, I'd like to reframe it uh, in terms okay. of, kind of the leader, because this is the five leadership question podcast, right? Um, I'd, I'd like to reframe it in the types of leaders we typically see breakthrough with, if that's okay. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. And Todd, I'm going to speak your love language and, and mentally in your mind, just see me drawing a two by two grid, uh, there. Oh uh, yeah, there, there it is. Um, and, and there's really kind of four types of pastors that live in there that really, you know, we've see the most effectiveness that they're the most primed for breakthrough. Uh, I think the first would be, uh, the rookie pastor is what we would call it. You know, this pastor who's new to a, to a church, new to a community, and they don't know what they don't know. And so as a strategic outsider, we can come in and, and you know, help mine out the, the true identity of the church, not necessarily what the search team told them the identity of the church was, uh, really kind of beaten, you know, with a missionary mindset about the community, help understand the community a bit more, and then really help them find breakthrough uh, in learning the culture of the church and really establishing a pattern of leadership for years to come. So I think the rookie pastor, that one, that, that leader who's fairly new uh, to a situation uh, and, uh, and is looking to say, Hey, I, I don't really know what I, what I don't know. The, the next category I would say is the veteran pastor. Maybe this is the pastor that's been there 10, 20, even 30 years working with a few pastors uh, probably getting close to retirement age, although they've never said this out loud, right? They're that pastor that's got that three to five to seven year horizon. And, and the, really the question, that breakthrough question we help them with is, is, you know, they're not confident. They don't know that the work they've put in, the, this lifetime of, of ministry leadership is going to last beyond them. They're not confident of what uh, happens after they leave. And so that, that causes, I think, a lot of pastors to, to kind of hang on longer than they want to. And, and quite frankly, longer than they should, because they're not confident that if they step out, that everything is going to continue uh, moving forward. And so that breakthrough is for us walking alongside and help establishing uh, and kind of reclarifying the identity and direction of the church with the local pastor, but not dependent on that, on that, you know, current pastor. Therefore, a a season of succession, a season of transition can be a whole lot healthier because we've got this picture of God's better future that everybody's in agreement around that is not pastor dependent. It's pastor led for sure, but it's not pastor dependent. So those, those two categories, Todd, are, are kind of that, you know, on the, on the short term end, on the long term end, just getting into the, into the pastoral role, my first, you know, six months to two years. And then I'm, you know, I'm kind of, you know, looking at a, a timeline of three to five years and want to ensure the, the legacy lives on. If, if you go to the bottom row of the two by two, uh, then, then there's another kind of uh, duality that sits there. One is the pastor 
that's uh, what I would call victorious. Uh, man, things are up and to the right. If you look at the observable uh, measures, attendance, uh, and uh, and giving, you know, all the all the charts are charting upward, and so they're they're victorious. But the breakthrough question they're asking is, how do we sustain this growth? What what everybody probably doesn't know is that sometimes those pastors are not sure what's going on, and therefore not sure how to sustain what's going on. And so our role as a strategic outsider in that time is to come in and ask the questions that kind of mine out, man, what is God doing around here? How's this disciple making happen? How is our unique identity contribute to that? And then how do we move forward? So that's a victorious pastor. On the other end of the spectrum, down in that bottom row is the vanquished pastor. And this may be the one who's discouraged, uh, who is uh, really, really kind of ready to call it quits every, every night when they get in their truck and, and, and head home. Um, because it's, they're in a season of, of decline, uh, certainly a season of plateaued growth. Uh, even giving may still be steady, but attendance they know is down and people are not connected as much. And so that pastor, you know, that, that question is they, they don't know what's happening. They don't know why things are in decline. And so the breakthrough moment there is, is really kind of identifying what those challenges are, those obstacles, and then creating, again, this disciple-making passion, instilling it once again in the lives of our people that lead them apart from the structure of the church and into the, into the, the structure of the community to, to share the gospel and, and help grow. And so those are the four types. You know, I would say the rookie, the veteran, the vanquished, and the victorious. Those moments of breakthrough are pretty common for us as an organization. Hmm. Well, before we get to the next question, which is uh, just hearing some stories of churches breaking through, let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor for today. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, is it hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time? Well, Ministry Grid makes it simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 800 courses, you'll find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And the best news of all, for the month of August, you can get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for your entire church for just $399 a year. That's $399 for your entire church for an entire year. And afterwards, you're locked into that price as well. So just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to get unlimited training for $399. That's ministrygrid.com slash podcast. All right, so we're back. And Brian, I know a lot of times if we're reading magazines or reading, you know, coming up with just what's going on in the news here or there. We're going to hear about churches that have gone on a hundred lists or best of this or fastest growing this, that, or the other. But um, can you think of maybe a couple of churches that most people have not heard of that have experienced breakthrough and, and just talk to us about that story? Tell us a story. Yeah. Well, listen, I think, you know, testimony is a currency of transformation. And so, the more we can get better at telling stories, both in the local church level and then church to church, I think the more um, you know we can see transformation of the of the people who who call our church home, the people who are, are lost and near our church, and even the other churches uh, that are looking for breakthrough. So I, I think one of my favorite stories right now. I was uh, Sunday night before last. I was sitting. Uh, 
on the couch, probably watching some uh, cooking bake-off show uh, with my wife. Um, by the way, Daniel, if you can figure out a way when you get to Canada to, to put the great Canadian bacon show on Netflix, uh, we'd love to see that one. Um, the Brits are wearing us out now at this point. So uh, it's a little aside there. Sorry. Um, but, you know, I was sitting there and I was, and my phone started buzzing. I was starting to get pictures from a leadership meeting uh, at a church uh, in downtown Memphis. Uh, one of my, one of my, you know, favorite churches I've worked with in the last few months, Island Community Church, Barrett Bowden, the senior pastor there. And we, in the, in the winter, uh, December, January, February, installed what we call the 1414. That's kind of slang for the formal vision proper horizon storyline tool that's found in, in God Dreams by Will Mancini. And, and I get pictures of this leadership meeting just two, two Sunday nights ago of Barrett in, in the screen kind of updating their 90-day goals. They're, they're updating those. And, and one of the challenges they were facing was uh, every Easter tends to be a predictor of their fall attendance. So they're, they're in the shadow of St. Jude Hospital. They're right downtown Memphis, reaching a ton of millennials, young adults, uh, but they're only there for a few years, right? And they've struggled with that kind of identity that, hey, we've got these, these young adults while they're finishing out med school and doing some work here, but then they're, they're kind of moving on. And so they've always kind of experienced this fluctuation, but we were finally able to kind of put a marker down. And what we realized was, again, let, you know, they had to move the two services um, if, if they were going to continue to have, be effective in reaching, um, you know, their community down there. And so, you know, we, we have the 90 day horizon of, you know, we're, we're going to go to two services. We struggled with how do we continue to make sure we're connected to people? Uh, I think, you know, sometimes churches struggle with that. Like, you know, if we go to two services, how do we make sure people still are cared for and discipled and some of those things? So we had to we had to wrestle through some of those notions. But man, I got to see photos of you know a big red slash through you know go to two services at Easter this year, and then I got to see an update of this big green arrow moving in um, and launch two services in the fall. And so anytime you you feel multiplication happening at a church, you know you should get excited. Uh, because you know, that's, that's evidence of the spirit at work in people's lives and, and, and that. So I, it was really cool to see that happening because I knew uh, going in that, you know, they, space was a big problem. They just weren't quite sure how to, how to handle it and what was going on there. And, it, you know, it seems like such a simple solution on the backside. But when you're in the middle of the tunnel of chaos, guys, you know, breakthrough uh, is elusive at best. Um, if not obscured by all the other decisions that, that go on. And so that's, that's one uh, story there. Uh, another is, um, man, just some exciting. Uh, I was working with a, a, an eco Presbyterian church in the Charlotte area. So we, we love getting to serve uh, across all, you know, evangelical uh, Bible believing uh, congregations. And so, man, I was with an eco Presbyterian church in the Charlotte area uh, and, and we recently finished up a full, what I would call identity and direction process, vision framing, uh, and, you know, horizon storyline development. And, and this church is celebrating their 200th anniversary in about nine years and, and, and just asking the right questions and kind of pulling through, Hey, who is God calling us uniquely to be? They're in a pretty well off part of Charlotte. They're in a recreational area of Charlotte. So, you know, it's, it's you know, people's attention spans are, are pretty short there. There's not a whole lot of need uh, in the immediate area. 
but we talked about and envisioned this, this 200th anniversary for Bethel uh, Presbyterian Church, where we saw Bethel 200 as a vision. And so, you know, we, we were kind of clicking off, you know, 200 uh, offsite worship Sundays. You know, we had some kind of big 200 of these things, 200 local families impacted, uh, 200 kids in the foster and adoption care system or adoption and foster care system that are impacted in some way by the ministry of the church. And, and there was just this deep conviction because the process was rooted completely in the Great Commission call to that, man, there's missing an evangelical component. And, and this is this is brand new ground for for them um, to name. Hey, we want to see 200 people commit their lives to Christ by our 200th anniversary starting today. And, and guys, this is, that was a huge moment uh, for them to kind of name this as you know what God was leading them to do because we had done so much work in in kind of building on the identity and really framing that through uh, the Great Commission and, and the leadership of making disciples. And there's just a new energy that I sensed that that really um, the Spirit was working through to inspire people to say, okay, listen, that means you know over the next nine years we're we're going to have to it's going to have to be all of us, not just you know, the pastor having these, you know, knockdown sermons and, and great altar call moments at the end. And so uh, that was just a moment of breakthrough where you could just kind of see the clouds part in, in a church that um, has been around a long time, has a lot of great resources and a lot of great leaders, but not a lot of momentum and clarity. Just really see clearly, this is what we're here for. And the excitement of that, um, and that I, I just, I'm still, I'm still loving uh, that moment in the room there. We call that a, a kind of a lid lifting or roof lifting moment there. I love that. So, okay. So what are some tried and true methods then of achieving breakthrough that any church could do this week? I mean, I know that's a, that's a tall order because it usually I know does take somebody like you to come in and uh, at least offer some, outside perspective and lead people through, you know, something that is uh, divergent opinions yeah. and bring them into a convergent view. Um, but what are some tried yeah. and true methods of achieving breakthrough, even small breakthroughs that, that you would encourage yeah. people? With? I love that, Todd. Uh, it reminded me of a quote in uh, Andy Stanley's book, Deep and Wide, that time in erodes awareness of the longer you're in a system or an organization, especially as a leader in that system or organization, the harder it is for you to see it for how it really truly is. Because quite frankly, you know, we, we come to work there every day. We show up. It's our, it's our job. We're there 24-7 sometimes, it feels. And so we stop seeing what is it. And the easy example is, is you know, if you ever sold a house or a car, the first time the realtor walks in the door, the first time the kind of appraiser looks at your vehicle, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that dent. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of French rods on the floor. Oh, there's marks on the wall. Yeah, we need to paint that. Oh, we've been stepping over that. Yeah, this is, you know, and so, you know, you just, the habit, the routine of daily living uh, obscures some things that are that are maybe a little bit more obvious to that strategic outsider that can come in. And I think the real skill is not just kind of pointing out those things, but asking questions so that those leaders can can feel it and see it, not just be told this is what the problem is. But apart from a strategic outsider, I love this question because I really believe um, that there are things you know a, you know a, a church, a pastor, a team can do this week. Because listen, Sunday's coming, and so I think you know first and foremost, 
uh, is pray. Uh, you guys mentioned my podcast and I love telling these stories of breakthrough on my podcast. You, that's all it's all about is breakthrough stories. Uh, and so Chad Keck, who, uh, is pastor at first. Love Chad. Yeah. yeah. He's at Kettering, Ohio. First Baptist Kettering. Uh, when, when I first started walking alongside them as a strategic outsider, uh, man, their, their ministry budget was in the single digits. And I would say the lower end of the single digits because of uh, relocation debt, building expenses and staff. And so, um, you know, and he and I were talking and he said, you know, Brian, quite frankly, um, this was not something we could plan our way out of. We simply had to pray our way out of this. And so this week, you know, the power of prayer and just surrendering to God, getting on your knees and saying, God, we need breakthrough, bring breakthrough in this moment. And he didn't just do that with the staff. I don't know if you know the story, Todd, but they still have about an eight to 10. I I call it deliciously awkward time of prayer every Sunday in every service where he's on his knees at the front of the church. Everyone is praying. And it's like, you know, you know, planning center freaks out a little bit when you put that much prayer time in. They're like, are you sure? Don't you want somebody to pat on the keyboard? <laughs> you know, that is the worship leader not know how to change the capo that quick. They're all the guitars out of, you know, like, like dedicate that time just to corporate prayer. And I think, I think that is the most overlooked because listen, we as leaders, we're addicted to progress. And so we look for progress and products and so a lot of pastors are sitting there listening to this thinking, well, there's got to be a prog, a, a product I can run to this week. There's got to be something I can pull off the shelf, I can download, I can listen to. And, and I think sometimes that process of just surrendering and, and saying, okay, Lord, um, today again, I ask you for the same thing. That's huge. I think, I think you know, I, I love the... Um, the passive aggressive evangelism tool of inviting a neighbor to come and be a guest at your church and give you some feedback, uh, of what, of what, you know, you can't see anymore. Again, I call it passive aggressive evangelism because if they're far from Christ and far from this church, you know, you can employ them to say, Hey, listen, you've seen, you know, maybe they, somebody you work out with, maybe there's somebody that you, you see in the neighborhood and you say, Hey, listen, would you, would you mind just coming and maybe even bringing your family because there's something going on with our guest experience and, or, or we want, we want to know how our children's ministry really feels. And do you mind just coming on a Sunday and then letting me pick your brain, maybe sharing some fresh eyes, free speech. I mean, that doesn't cost anything uh, to do this week. And by the way, you know, you can, you can invite someone to church without inviting someone to church. And again, so for my passive aggressive friends out there, uh, it's a great way to do that. And so I think those are two just kind of right from the jump. I could probably talk about this, you know, for a long, long time, but those are my two favorite things I see pastors and leaders do. Dude, I love that. And I feel like that's anything, um, that that's something that anyone can do. So as we come to this, uh, the end of the episode, I mean, you, you're finished your first season of my ministry breakthrough. What, what's stood out to you the most, uh, in hearing these stories of breakthrough over and over again? Um, that, um, there's still a lot to be done in the local church. You know, we, we live in this kind of technology and information driven age. I mean, I, you know, my podcast is one of many. I liken it to uh, setting a golf ball up on the edge of the Grand Canyon and just and just hitting this golf ball out there. You know, each podcast episode feels like this golf ball launched out in the Grand Canyon because there's so much data out there, so much information available, so many things happening. But yet 
in the midst of all that, God is still doing something locally specific at every at every local church. And there's still something new to discover about your own leadership uh, as a pastor. There's still something new to discover about the body that the congregation God has brought around this vision and this calling. And, and believe it or not, there's still something to discover about that little corner of heaven that God has placed you in there, whether you think it's heaven or hell right now, that God has given you that place, that time in your community and, and entrusted you with those people that he wants to reach right around you. And so to me that what I was just keenly aware of, Daniel, I love this question is that there's so much yet to be understood and done from, from a local church of 80 in far West Texas, planting churches. Now they've only got 80 attending, but they've planted, you know, three or four churches already and even smaller towns than the one they're in to mega church leaders talking about uh, the importance of how you dress in reaching the congregation God is bringing to you. I just, it blows my mind that there's that much, uh, you know, still left to be understood and discovered. And so the stories uh, we tell are, are right at the heart of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Brian, so much for being on the podcast with us. We appreciate you and your ministry. So, and if you haven't checked out my ministry breakthrough, be sure to listen to that. Uh, but also check out the Making Disciples podcast with Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain as well. They're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family, and they've recently covered topics like building a compelling team, my number one failure as a disciple maker and taking back your life and ministry from technology. You can just look up Making Disciples on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.